The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We wanted to, you know, upgrade um, the youth, the talent, and the depth on the defensive side. And, you know, we also did some stuff offensively in free agency. You know, we brought in Juju, and we brought in MVS, and we brought in Rojo, and we were able to re-sign Henny and, and, and Wiley. So, um, you know, I think we look at things um, on both ends, both the draft and free agency. And, and certainly the draft was geared more toward defense. And I think it's a combination of, of us wanting to certainly get better and get deeper and younger. Um, but, you know, had we not been able to sign the Schusters and the MVSs and the Rojos, I mean, maybe it, it deviates a little, but I think it's just a combination of both processes. And finally, we are back, man. I mean, you're getting, you're getting all kinds of show with BK, baby. We had the draft last week. Um, and we did a draft special, uh, obviously the best one on Arrowhead Pride. Uh, no uh, disrespect to the others. Um, uh, I mean, we just know greatness. Um, they're all they're all great. They're all great. But there is obviously one that uh, that is when the cream rises to the top. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we don't were, really now we don't really need to measure them. They're all fantastic. You should listen. Oh, you should listen to them all. But I'm just saying, if I were Macho Man, I'd have a cream cup. And we we would be that cream cup rising to the top. It's nothing wrong with a little healthy competition, Steve. Good Lord, man. Calm down. Maybe this will we're inspire not in, others. We're not Maybe in competition will... with our teammates. Yes, we are. <laughs> you you might not be. <laughs> I am. That makes one of us. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? What do you think? Randy Johnson was thinking every time Kurt Schilling went out there, I'm saying stuff you don't know. What do you think he was thinking? I gotta be, I gotta be better than Kurt. That's Ron, what I know what thinking. this is. Serta produces all of them, so he thinks of himself as being a member of all of these different shows, and he That's doesn't fine. want to pick, pick his favorite son or daughter. That's, That's what this all right. I, I get that, but listen, I believe I inspired Mark Gunnels last week by calling him out coast to coast. Go check it out. I, listen, I haven't listened. But I think he got better. I, I, I mean, I just I think he got better. So uh, our British guys, I, I, I think they they they're getting better. But you got to come, you got to come to the king, and we got that crown right now. I don't even know if that's true, but uh, it you felt gave, good. You just gave it to yourself. So. I sure as hell, I gave it to just all of us. it right now. I gave the crown to all of us. All right, let, let, let's let's jump into this because. I, 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 following Chiefs Twitter, following Chiefs social media, and I'm just talking about the fans, the people that are inside the Chiefs kingdom. We'll get to Lonnie Johnson later, but Lonnie Johnson got the word 
choice of Chiefs Kingdom out pretty early in his first or second tweet involving the Chiefs. Chiefs Kingdom got that early. But anybody around the kingdom, I, I think most people seem to be not just happy, thrilled, thrilled with the Chiefs draft, right? Just happy with this sucker. And my thing is this. I thought they did well. I think they came out. I thought every one of the picks made sense. My thought, and I want to throw out, and I'd like to cause people to think, and I know BK will have something. I have something on this too. But is it is it good? Is it the class really this good? Is this draft class really this good for the Chiefs? Or is this like a hometown thing to where, hey, man, they pick guys in certain positions as long as they didn't draft like a quarterback in the first two rounds or a punter or a kicker. Like it was like, oh, I like that guy. Like every person, oh, oh, I like that guy. I heard nobody talk. I heard nobody talk about Brian Cook. Oh, so I love Brian Cook. I mean, people talk about cats. This Joshua Williams, I know none of y'all have seen at Fayetteville State. Not a not a one of you. But oh, I like him. Long, lanky doing what Serta does about baseball breakdowns. Is it <laughs> is it a is it a good class or is this Homer? Like because there, there's a mix of both, Brandon. I, I, I that's what I'm throwing out. I mean first of all, it's totally fair uh to to wonder that. The thing that I like to do after something like this, because I more often than not, although this was not the case early on in Brett Feach's tenure, but more often than not, I'll I'll find myself like, okay, yeah, I, I can kind of see what you're trying to do here. I'll talk myself into it over time. For what it's worth, this one I didn't have to do that with. Other than the first selection, we'll get to Trent McGrathy here in a little bit. But I felt pretty good about basically every pick they made from start to the finish. And what I wanted to do is at the end, I wanted to go to some of the national analysts, the guys that I trust to find out, okay, is this just us? Like as Chiefs fans who knew, okay, you got a ton of draft capital and they seemed to use it well. They moved up and down the draft board. They got guys that if you're doing one of those mock draft simulators before, you couldn't even get these guys because they wouldn't have fallen to where the Chiefs took them. Is it just that or is it something more? And Dane Brugler, for my money, is the best draft analyst in the country. I think he's excellent. He had the Chiefs as his second favorite draft overall this year. He said the pick that stood out to him is the one that I loved. You know this, Ron. I was talking about Sky Moore all show last week. If they could come away with one player, I wanted Sky Moore. All weekend, he's texting. Oh, God, he's still there. He's still there. (laughs) Dane Brugler's favorite pick, not for the Chiefs, in the draft out of all 200 plus selections was sky more to the Kansas city chiefs. So I'm not alone in this. It is not just us. I do think that the chiefs genuinely had a really good draft. Now that doesn't mean you're going to get a bunch of all pros out of this. There's still a lot that needs to be proven from these guys. Once they get to the league and we can kind of break these guys down individually, but I do think it was like, if you're giving this a grade, I don't think you can come away with a much better draft given where the Chiefs started at the 29th and 30th overall picks. Yeah, I I, I think the big thing for me is because I, you know, listen, I, I, I know what we all do is these grades, these grades. But for me, it's, it's did, it, did it make sense? Like, did, did what you did make, did it make sense? Can I, can I follow what your idea and thought was? All right. 
I, I tell you, I'm shocked, and we'll get to Trent McDuffie here in a bit. I'm shocked they went corner and they moved up to go get corner. I have been asking for them to go and, and, and make that position a priority, and they did it. Surprised me. I thought for sure it was Jermaine Johnson they were going up to get, but they went up and got the corner. Okay, that makes sense. George Karloftis, that makes sense. The uh, the pass the pass rusher. We'll, we'll talk about him. Uh, and then receiver, we knew they were going to try to go there, thought that in their first three picks, probably receiver somewhere, and they go and get Sky Moore, who you were wanting. Listen, it's a preference thing. I, I really liked George Pickens, and especially to fit with what this group is, but uh, it's a preference thing. But it makes sense, the type of guy that they're trying to get. Brian Cook. Uh, listen, I, I love this kid's physicality, something about this kid. But it all, but a position where, like, to me, like, I look at that and I think, well, that guy's going to be back there instead of old clean Dan. Ooh, I mean, there you've upgraded there at, a, at another safety spot. And Leno Chanel, I, 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 like, I, I, I like him too, and that makes sense. Somebody play one of those, those weak sidelines. So that's the only thing I could do is, listen, man, does it make sense? Like when when you when you went and drafted Breland Speaks, that didn't make sense to me from the jump. Like that that didn't make sense. You drafted a guy to try to play outside that didn't play outside in college at Ole Miss, and because he laid on the ground and waved, and that was the that was the big photo of Breland Speaks at, at Ole Miss. I believe I believe that got Brent Beach horny <laughs> at his first draft football horny at least, and he said, "I got to get that guy. Look at that fella." Lays on the ground and waves. Just and you know what's funny, Ron? His explanation as to why he loved him coming out of that, I'm never going to forget this. Because I remember hearing him, because I didn't know anything it's about not because Breland's he waved. Is, it, is that what you're about to say? Oh, okay. All right. he, said, he said, the guy's never on the ground. When you watch him, the guy's never on the ground. I remember, Ron, going back <laughs> and watching one game. I'm not kidding. The first game that I watched of him, I saw him on the ground no fewer than five times. It's like, what the hell is Brett Veach watching? Like, what did I miss here? It was weird. <laughs> yeah. That didn't make sense. That didn't make sense oh. at all. And, and so uh, that's at least what I could say. Does it make sense? Can I understand what you're doing? And 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 I at least give them that. Because, man, Doug, I, I've heard GM say this. It's a crapshoot, man. You you never know. I mean, there's, there's John Baldwin walking around there in the first round. And then there's Tyreek Hill in the fifth. So, I mean, it's a crapshoot. You don't know what you're looking at. But it at least makes sense. And that and that's all I can ask from Brett Veach and Andy Reid. I, I think Brett was just a little too anxious about his first draft when he took Braylon Speaks. And that wasn't as comfortable speaking with the media. And I think we could, we could just throw that pick out the window and we never have to speak about oh, it. Oh, can we? But okay. it's I think when you're looking at a draft class – and you look at, you know, all of the consensus boards, all of the analysis and breakdowns and, and video that all these people are, are creating and grinding all throughout the draft season, all the information that we have available now, the smartest teams have those boards too. They have those numbers. They have the things that say like, you know, this is our best chance of getting this player at this time. And when you look at the Chiefs draft, I don't think there's any point in the draft where you could say they like significantly reached on a player. Like they had a good draft where it was just, That's it fair. seemed like every pick they made was a good value pick for where they were in the draft. And they were making smart moves. They were moving around, but they were not giving up too much to move around. Like they were making smart moves, moving back in the second round, 
to get Sky Moore and picking up that fifth round pick that wound up becoming Canard is a really smart move that worked out for them. And so when you take when you take a step back and just look at the draft class, I just think they made a lot of smart moves, and that's why you should feel good about it. I also think that, man, that is such an important point because, Ron, so much about the draft is not just what you're willing to do. It's also what the teams around you are doing. In Intel, it's almost as much about an investigation on what other teams are going to do as anything else. Like the Chiefs move up to 21. Why? Why did they do that? Because they apparently knew the Bills wanted a corner. And based on some of the stuff that has come out since the draft, I think the Bills wanted Trent McDuffie. And so the Chiefs move up to 21 to be able to get him because they didn't think they were going to be able to get McDuffie and maybe even Kyrie Elam if they stay put. So you make that move to go get your guy. I thought it was kind of risky to not take a defensive end there. I didn't think George Karloftis was going to be available when they picked at 30. He was. They ended up getting a guy that I thought they might have to move up for at 30 overall in the draft. At 50, I thought, okay, you got to stay here. You've got George Pickens and Sky Moore on the board. These are the two receivers we talked about potentially taking at 30. How are you going to move back from here? Well, they move back, they get one of those two guys. So it was just the way they moved up and down the board. I think they did a really good job of not just knowing what they wanted, what they needed positionally, but also where to take those guys and which teams were at risk of taking the players that they specifically wanted. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think, like I said, they everything from all that you talked about, from the trading up and moving back, everything made sense. Now, we don't know if it's going to work, but everything 100%. at least made sense, and that's what you you got to go to. And now when we do that and look at who they got, like for me, man, I listen, I'm going to focus on these top five. Okay, uh, listen, man, uh, I'm sure some somebody's doing a breakdown on Jalen Watson uh, and uh, Nazir, Nazai Johnson from Marshall, whatever, some of these late big guys. It's not I'm it's not easy. And, and also uh, Isaiah Pacheco, that's a guy we got to talk about. Serta and I have some thoughts. Okay. I don't. Okay. Is that the Rutgers running back? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Oh, yeah. He, okay. I think he right. got drafted just because of that combine pick with the sunglasses. All right. Did you see um, that guy? He, he said, I'm taking a grown man's job. Yeah. Okay. Well, calm down, Chief. Uh, but listen, when you look at the top five, that, that's why I'm going to. Uh, kind of narrow this down to it and those are the the premium picks the top three rounds um they go mcduffie the quarterback out of washington at 21 carloftis the defensive end we talked about out of purdue the pass rusher those arguably were the two biggest needs hell one two three their three biggest needs uh corner in whatever order defensive end and then they get sky Moore in the second round uh, over there as a receiver, their three biggest needs, Brian Cook, the safety out of Cincinnati, and Leo Chanel, uh, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. Um, when I look at those five, I think I think every last one of them, all five, have an above-average chance uh, to be solid NFL players, to be solid guys that will last past uh, one contract. Right, I, I, like, and I don't mean just like special teams guys. I think contributors, like, on in it as a linebacker with Chanel and as as a receiver, all all their positions. I think they will be contributors, like above average opportunity to do that. Now, maybe not all five will, but above average. Some somehow Darren O'Daniel is still playing for the Chiefs. So I, I mean, uh, so he's yeah. gone now, right? 
Uh, he, he was still playing. I couldn't believe he was out there in important downs last year. I, I'm shocked that he was with the Chiefs for as long as he was. <laughs> right. But I look at these guys, and I think they'll they'll all be solid. But, man, when you have the ammo the Chiefs had coming to this draft, two in the first, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth, and the Chiefs have had Hall of Famers here recently in all those rounds, including the third, and great players at, at all those rounds. You do want to come out with all those picks and wonder, you got any? You got anybody with great potential? You got anybody with straight-up Pro Bowl potential? Like I said, I think all of them will be solid, that top five. But is there any great there? Who like, like, do you, when you look at this crew of that top five, do you see any of them that is great, or did they just get a bunch of solid dudes? Right, like it's it it is it it is interesting to look at them and think, all right, boy, what what is the you know game changing trait from them? Because when I look at McDuffie, I I see a solid, luxurious need type player, physical on the outside. I don't know that I see like game changing trait. Carloftis, I mean, he may be somebody who may be better on pass rushing downs, get kicked inside, and rush against guards. You know, I don't know that it, it, that speed around the corner, I don't know if he has that game-changing. And Sky Moore just seems like a really solid receiver that does everything well. But maybe not, like, on on, on and down the line with all of those top five. It, do you feel any great potential? I don't know if I feel great out of anybody. I think they're – so – he, if you're, if I'm trying to sell you on upside, for what it's worth, I actually agree with what you're saying. I think they got a lot of guys that are really solid. And I'm not saying and, it's bad. I'm not. I'm just like when you get that many picks, that many you get, you come into a draft with six premium picks in the top three rounds. Like, boy, you're gonna pull it. Can you get one Pro Bowler out of that? And I think part of that is just the way this draft set up this year. There was a lack of premium talent in the draft in general. The teams that were uh, taking top 10 selections, like you saw some teams that were clearly, man, can we get out of this pick? Like we're, we're about to take a tackle that we think we should probably be taking at 17. And we're taking this dude at six or like your team down there in Houston, Ron, they took an offensive guard that seems to profile as a pretty good player. Took him what top 15. Like, that's not where you want to take that guy. Uh, and that's just the way that this draft class kind of set up. It didn't have the same premium talent that you see in typical years. But if I'm going to sell you on the upside play, Trent McDuffie, like, would you say that if he becomes Chris Harris Jr., is that upside? Because Chris Harris Jr. was a really good yeah, player. A, but that's a Pro Bowl guy. Like, that's a guy that was a perennial Pro Bowler. There. I think that's the upside. And that doesn't, like, he's never going to be a Jalen Ramsey. There is no chance of that oh, because no, no. he just doesn't have that kind of length. Like, he's missing certain pieces to his game that Jalen Ramsey, he is the, the five-tool baseball player that you always look for. That's Jalen Ramsey at corner. McDuffie's not that. He's got arms that are shorter than mine. Like, it's just, there's something that's missing from him. But he could be Chris Harris Jr., and that's a really good player. If I told well, that's you that's a Pro Bowl player, I'd take that right now. Absolutely. Like I, and, and that's the the ceiling is that. George Karloftis, this isn't a totally fair comparison, but it's just the best I've kind of got offhand. Like Trey Hendrickson, really good player, man. Borderline Pro Bowl player, crushed the Chiefs in that AFC championship game, was awesome in the playoffs this year for the Bengals. Had a great couple of seasons as well for the Saints. George Karloftis could be that. I think mm. that's kind of the ceiling, but that's Ooh. 
that's kind of what you're hoping he that becomes. Dude's a, that dude's a pro bowler, man. What's like, that dude's good. But it took a little bit. It took a little bit to get there for him to develop those pass rush moves. But yeah, he's a really good player. I think George Karloftis could be that eventually down the road. I don't expect him to be that right away. If I told you that Sky Moore became, this might sound like a, a weird comp, but somewhere between like a Golden Tate and Stephon Diggs, because I don't think he's Diggs. Everybody gets c- compared to Diggs now, and, and it's just kind of like the Tyreek Hill thing, right? If you're fast and you play uh, be- bigger than you are size-wise, so everybody's going to compare you to Tyreek. Nobody's Tyreek Hill. Sky Moore's upside is really good wide receiver that can play all over the field that wins off of the line of scrimmage and can win at every level of the defense that guy could make a pro bowl when he's playing with patrick mahomes like that's the upside of all of these guys i don't think any of them are like all pro super unique talents yeah but all of them have the upside to at their best be pro bowlers i guess that's kind of the way that i would describe them yeah, that's pretty much how I view the class is, again, I, I think in a down draft class where we had so many question marks going into draft night and going into the draft weekend of like, do we actually even have any idea where any of these guys are going to go? Like the way this board is falling right now. And I think they made good decisions. They drafted a bunch of really solid players who have an opportunity to contribute. I don't know if any of these players are ever going to be superstars, but I think the Chiefs are better with this draft class than they were before the draft class. Like, they got guys who are going to have an impact. I just feel like maybe we do need to temper expectations a little bit in year one because I I think some of this is coming from, you know, the positivity around their class and everybody's giving them an A and saying, you know, they had like a top three class or whatever. So there's this thought I feel like amongst Chiefs fans right now that like they got a bunch of players who are going to come in and and look like difference makers right away. And that's not how I'm viewing the class at all. Like I think they got guys that are going to contribute next season, but they're going to be developmental projects. Like we saw the strides that Nick Bolton made as a player last year as the season went on. Like I don't view any of these guys as like day one, they're going to just be out there making plays. I think we're going to see them grow as the season goes on. And maybe in a year or two, they can be difference making players. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see difference making. I, yeah. That's I, I, that would be nice if they pull that off with those guys. Like I said, it makes sense. And I think most of them will be solid. Uh, I just, I'm not, when you look at each one individually, it's hard to find that trait, that, that trait, like hell, like, man, even guys like D, like D Ford, like you could look at him and, and say like, boy, get there, off. there's, there's that, tra- like, there's that one thing that could change a game. I don't know if I see that. Can, can I tell guys. you why? Like, I know you got, you'll make fun of me about my sky more love and it's, it's deserved. I have an infatuation with the guy, but the reason why I think like, if you're asking me, which of these players would I bet on to be that player you're talking about, Ron, it's sky more. It, it's because of his releases, man. He's ready to play right away. Like so many of these receivers come in from college and they can contribute, but they tend to need to go into the slot because if they put them on the, on the outside and they get pressed, they're screwed because they have no idea how to react to it. Sky Moore comes into this year's uh, class. He comes into the team right, right away. He knows how to get off the line of scrimmage against press. He knows how to win immediately. And he also runs a 4-4. So he's got the speed to be able to run away from a defender once he's able to beat him off the line of scrimmage. So if I was to say the guy that I would bet on to be that 
immediate contributor and also high upside player, it would be him. But man, if you're asking me like, what are the roles going to be this year, Ron, to your point, I think Serta kind of got to this as well to temper expectations, especially for year one, our friend, uh, Therese Paler always used to say that rookies always stink. Like, if I was to say this right away, I think Karloftis is probably going to be your number three defensive end early in the season. I think Sky Moore is probably your number three wide receiver early in the year. I think Leo Chanel should be expected to play like 30 to 40% of the defensive snaps. He's not going to play on third downs most likely, especially early in the year. Uh, Cook is at best going to be in that Daniel Sorensen role as a safety nickel linebacker type of thing. The one guy that I think is going to come in right away and be like a clear cut starter is Trey McDuffie. I think that guy starts on the outside immediately and he's got a he role. Damn well better. Yeah. He'll, he better. I mean, there ain't nothing standing there. Support for this podcast comes from smart water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Like that, that's funny when we go down and look at that because, and I'll sort of, you said something to it of I think the Chiefs are better before the draft after the draft than before they got in. I agree with that. But let's just be honest. Since the season ended, like the Chiefs ain't Chiefs fans ain't been sitting here excited about their team. I mean you, you I mean you excited about you know Patrick Mahomes, but this has not been a great offseason for the Chiefs. Like in terms of when you look at what they've done what they've gained and what they've lost compared to the teams around them. Hell, everybody in the division gained multiple pro bowlers, pro bowlers to elite players. Everybody gained at least two in the division. And then the bills, they add Von Miller and the Browns add Deshaun Watson, like the teams around you and the the Bengals kind of sheared up their offensive line and the chiefs, they lose. Obviously, Tyreek Hill. They lose Tyron Matthew. They lose guys. Now they have Justin Reed and and some and some other stuff. But yeah, they lost some big stuff. And you look at it, it's like, well, this has been a tough offseason. The excitement on the draft, I think part of it was something good appearing to happen. But did this draft and what they've done in the draft, did that make up for this offseason? And for me, eh. They took care of some things, but still, man, they, you know, they they appear to lack the top-end talent that they had. They appear to still be in a space where you look at their talent today, and on paper, you're like, well, I don't know if it if it rivals these these teams that got better. So I'm just saying, do you did, did, did this draft make up for you, Serta? Did this draft make up for you uh, this offseason? No, but I, I, I don't know how it was ever going to do that. Like, you traded away Tyreek Hill. Like, you closed the door on what was, like, their dynasty window. So it's hard to give up on those things, right? Like, it's, it's hard to move on from those things because the Mahomes-Hill-Kelsey trio was supposed to be here forever. So I don't think there was anything you could have done in the draft short of trading for A.J. Brown. 
that would have made up for all of that. That, that like AJ Brown probably yeah AJ Brown. I'm like hell yeah, we got AJ Brown. That would have made up for it. But I don't think there was anything that you could have done in this draft class short of trading for what is going to be an expensive veteran wide receiver who is a superstar, in my opinion. So I don't think there there was a way to win uh, against that because you traded away a guy who, in all likelihood, has a really strong chance of being an NFL Hall of Famer. It's really hard to replace those guys under any circumstance. Like you know, The Vikings did it when they traded Diggs and got Justin Jefferson. It's just very rare to do something like that. So I don't know that there was any circumstance where I was going to come out of this draft and say, I'm fine with them. I'm totally fine with them trading away Tyreek Hill because of everything that they did here. So let's do something real quick. Ron, Serta, let's let's try to go through this as quickly quickly as as we can. I don't want to kind of like hone in on any of these individually too much, but uh, let's go through the positions to see like they lost specific guys that were big key contributors to championship core rosters. And they've yeah. clearly replaced those guys now. Uh, with players either in free agency or in the draft at safety would you rather have the combination next year of Sorensen and Matthew or Reed and Cook Reed and Cook just based on what we know yeah I, I think Reed and Cook that's where I'm at too I'd rather be younger and more athletic at that position I think we saw some some hit, less great play from Matthew towards the end of last season would you rather have Jaron Reed or George Karloftis on the defensive line I'd rather have Jaron Reed. Oh, I would much rather have George Karloftis and his his youth and upside than what we got from Jaron. I'm, I'm just talking about next year. I'm talking about for next year. I think I'd rather, rather have Karloftis as well for what it's worth. Jaron Reed uh, at corner. Would you, anyway, go ahead. Would you rather have Traverius Ward or McDuffie Williams um, and Lonnie at cornerback? I'd rather have I'd rather have the trio over Traverius Ward. Like, you know, he. Charvarius Ward, you got more than you ever should have gotten out of Charvarius Ward, and I think it was just time to revamp that group. So I didn't, I, I wasn't upset about the Charvarius Ward move, and I would rather get younger there. And they've had success moving on from corners and kind of just plugging holes in this defense. Yeah, uh, but if we're talking about next year, like for the next year, I mean, if we're talking about future, that's a different thing. But for next sure. year, I mean, I think Charvarius Ward. I would trust him more than I would trust the other guys. I mean, McDuffie, I don't know what they're doing. And Lonnie Johnson, I, I, I'm not, I don't trust. Uh, Neiman or Chanel? Let's be honest. Well, no, come on. <laughs> and then the big Dorian question is Daniel. like, what would you rather be deep at wide receiver or would you rather have the superstar in Tyreek Hill? And, and that's really what it comes down to. Cause like Tyreek Hill, D Rob, and Byron have now become Sky, MVS, and Juju Smith Schuster. And I think like, for me, I, I would just always rather have the premium Hall of Fame level talent. But when yeah. you look at what they were able to do with that money to be able to reinvest it elsewhere, and I do think that they're, it seems like they're going to be big in the free agency market next year. I, I think one of those wide receivers that they were talking about as potential trade candidates, I think one of them will be a chief next year in free agency or via trade. But that's another conversation probably for another day. I just like what they did, man. I, I really think that they have a better situation at safety, defensive line, corner, and linebacker than they did a year ago. And that reminds me a lot of what we saw last year with the Bengals, with the way they were able to construct that defense. They didn't have a lot of sexy acquisitions, but they just plugged holes with young, athletic, ass-kicking football players all across that defense. 
And that's really what led them on their run in the playoffs. It was not that offense, most of the playoff run that they went on. It was the defense, actually, that stepped up in a big way. So I, I really like what they've been able to do. I think they made the best of a bad situation with Tyreek Hill. And I, I think they have salvaged this offseason, man. I think they did a pretty uh, darn good job, all things considered. I thought that was a really, really fun experiment that you just went and took us through. But we also, with all of that, have to tell the other side of the story. Like, that would be cool. Like, that'd be like, I man, you know what? You listen to that, that ain't half bad. But then we also got to remember, well, you know, last year they were facing Derek Carr, and he was rolling out there with Hunter Renfro and no other receivers. That's not what Derek Carr and the Raiders are rolling out with. They're rolling out with, Devontae Adams and Waller and Renfro and on the other side they got Crosby and Chandler Jones as bookends on the on the defensive line so the Raiders are different the Chargers uh, that's nice they're rolling out now with Bosa and and Mack on the outside right and you know they like JC Jackson in the secondary like they've added the Denver Broncos don't have Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback anymore. They've got Russell Wilson, and they've added Randy Gregory as long as he can stay away from the narcotic, which he probably won't in Denver. Uh, they got they added more and better pass rushers to go along with Bradley Chubb, and not to mention Deshaun Watson was doing whatever Deshaun Watson was doing last year. Now he's in Cleveland. Von Miller was in L.A. Now he's in Buffalo. Like, the that'd be cool, but the landscape also changed in a major way. <laughs> like, the team that went to the Super Bowl out of the conference may be the fifth best team in it. Yeah, but, uh, again, I don't know with the landscape of the AFC. Like, short of trading for other superstars after trading away Tyreek Hill and then losing other key contributing players, like, I don't know how you could have done anything. And I know they were in the mix for players and the Tyree kill thing messed it up because they didn't have as much money as they wanted at the time. And so maybe things are different, but I understand the expectations for this team every single year are super bowl. But I think when you're turning a page from where they were at to where they are now with these young players and these guys that you're going to have to develop a little bit, it's okay to be looking past next season because I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl next season. I think there's too many other good teams in the conference. I think they've done a pretty good job of splitting the baby, though. Like they, they are. I think they're going to be a, a real threat in the AFC next year. I do not think they go into the year as the favorite. This is the first time since Patrick Mahomes took over that I think it's pretty clear they are at best the second best team in the AFC. Like I would take Buffalo over Kansas City head to head right now. I think Buffalo, you look up and down that roster, it's really hard to find a fatal flaw right now today. Now, that'll change. They'll have some injuries, and by December, we may have a totally different conversation on this. But that, to me, is the team that everybody else is chasing right now. And then it's just a matter of who else is going to be in that competition. But I went through this today, Ron. I'm totally with you for what it's worth. Buffalo, uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, Kansas City, the Chargers, the and I think you can make a case for Denver. All seven of those teams, if any of them represented the AFC in the Super Bowl this year, nobody should be surprised. I can't remember the last time I could go that deep in the AFC. It's insane. 
Yeah, forget about the Ravens, what they're doing. I mean, their safety position is just ridiculous. And last year they went eight and nine, and Lamar like played half of the year for them. Their offensive yeah, they line lost was all an the games when he disaster. got hurt. Like it was just yeah. uh, that is not the Ravens that anybody should expect from this year. And also they get a fourth place schedule now. Like, yeah. That's going to help them a ton. Hey, to go to go along with it, you brought up Lonnie Johnson. I think there are two fun moves, interesting moves that people are watching. Lonnie Johnson, they trade for a conditional seventh-round pick in 2024. Uh, really, the Texans were just trying to get rid of him. Uh, That's the uh, baseball cash considerations trade. Yeah, that was yeah, that was it. Listen, uh, and then Justin Ross, the kid from Clemson, uh, when he played in the national championship game, people were saying if they came out, him and Trevor Lawrence, they both be top five picks. Well, um, he went undrafted. He's got a lot of medical issues, spinal situation. He's had his spine his spine fused. Any wrestling fans, very similar to the surgery that, like, Edge had and uh, that kept him out for, like, a decade from wrestling. Like, he had that. So that's what scared a lot of uh, uh, teams off. Here's the deal with both of them. I've covered Lonnie Johnson the last two years. Um, he gets off the bus. He He looks the part. He has every physical skill, every physical skill that you need to play the position of corner, hell, or safety. He is every bit of 6'2", six, 6'3", two, six, 220 pounds, 220, maybe more. Uh, and he ran like a 4'3-something out of Kentucky. Uh, I mean, he is, and he has ball skills. He's had multiple picks in games. Like he's He has the skills. Um he just he just got that can't get right problem, and he plays defense with his hands. He's a panicker when he gets you know in coverage, and he'll just reach out and grab somebody. Got a little little Lando, little Orlando Scandrick in him, little Steve Nelson in him. So, uh, but he has every physical tool. But I mean, for what you gave up with him, he could be a pleasant surprise. And then Justin Ross, the same, uh, a guy that has a lot of physical skills. Physical talent, it could be fun. It could be a, a better. I, I tell you what, right now, spinal fusion, whatever. I got more confidence in Justin Ross than I do in Josh Gordon. That's just me uh, today. But uh, but they're fun potential steals for what you got them for. But I would not. I'm gonna tell you right. I wouldn't expect a thing from. I mean, I would like. I come into it not expecting anything, and have. Pleasant surprises if they are contributors. The baseline expectation for both players is that they don't make the roster. Like the expectation for Justin Ross this year should be basically he makes our practice squad because nobody drafted him for a reason. There were a lot of people that medically just did not think he was going to be somebody that they were comfortable taking and comfortable playing. So if you're the Chiefs, if he makes your roster, that's a win. These are pure lottery ticket plays right here. This is what undrafted free agency essentially is. And Lonnie Johnson, like you look at what the cornerback position is, this is no different than what they did with a Mike Hughes or a DeAndre Baker. Like they've done this type of a thing in the past. And then some of it works. Some of them don't work. It's a high upside play where if this ends up working out and he gets in with Spags and Spags is able to work his voodoo magic and, it all clicks for him while he's in Kansas city. You could get a legit outside corner that starts for you. And you feel really good about it for a year or two. If it doesn't, 
then you sent basically nothing in return and you lose out on nothing. You're no worse off for it. So you, you it's a high upside play. He has the draft. Well, I thought really highly of him because of all of the talent that is there. But we're baseline uh, expectation for Chiefs fans should be neither of these guys makes the roster. Yep. But these aren't guys that have like Mike Hughes talent. Like these are guys that have high level talent. Hughes was a first round player though, man. Once upon a time, Hughes was thought of as a good player. I'm just saying. Like I'm just (laughs) he has he has physical limitations though. That's what I'm saying is he has physical limitations. These guys these guys have the physical qualities that you're looking for. And you know, yeah, if you're the Chiefs on Lonnie Johnson, like this has worked before, it hasn't worked before, like you've mentioned. Just keep taking those swings because it absolutely doesn't cost you anything. Like Justin Ross, and I think Pete mentioned this, Justin Ross is going to be one of the dudes at training camp that everybody looks at. Like everybody who's there watching practice every day is going to gravitate towards Justin Ross because at one point he had that upside to be a number one NFL wide receiver. And we'll see where he's at in his recovery. Like he's supposedly cleared to play, but then – in the pre-draft process, he also had like a foot injury or something like that. So I think that also hurt him on top of his spine fusion. So if he's a hundred percent healthy for camp, he's going to be a guy that everybody looks at. Like, did we, did we just get an undrafted superstar wide receiver? Like he's going to be one of the main guys that we talk about come training camp. Yep. He, I can see it now. He's going to be someone that sort of falls completely in love with. Hey, I'm, oh, ready. I'm, re- I, I'm, re- I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. I know you are. God, did you see that nine route? Oh, my God. He's going to be this year's Jody Fortson. I can tell you that right now. There's a 100% chance he is Jody Fortson from two years ago, not this past year where it actually worked for him. Uh, uh, Before we get out of here, and as Steve is getting himself really ready for Justin Ross, uh, before we get out of here, he's about to watch Clemson, Alabama from several years ago in the championship (laughs) game to watch that sideline catch that Ross I've I've already watched quite a bit of Justin Ross. Uh, some moves that don't include drafted players, but potentials where the Chiefs can improve their team. Melvin Ingram, who played for this team in many, I, I think it's fair to say he he was the significant change on the defense when he arrived that kind of changed that defense. And then we've been talking about James Bradbury, and that's why the, the Trent McDuffie thing made us wonder, like, are they – are they going to try to get James Bradbury? Well, it, it looks like he is being released by the Giants. Um, and uh, those two guys are out there. And I, to me, if they were able to add those guys, one or both of them, I think that would really help and change the, the thought of the Chiefs moving forward. So the Chiefs on the, the Melvin Ingram discussion – they did something this week that honestly I'd never heard of before I, I saw them apply this tag to him. They use something called the unrestricted free agent tag. Now, the best way that I can describe this is essentially they told Melvin Ingram, hey, we'll see you at camp. <laughs> and that's that's essentially what they did. So the way this works, Melvin Ingram's going to get a one-year, $4.5 million deal guaranteed from the Chiefs based on what they did earlier this week. And if he accepts that, he can come to training camp. He doesn't have to come to any of the OTAs, anything like that. And he's ready to go. He'll be on the roster next year, four and a half million bucks. They've got a starting defensive end that can give them some insurance for Frank Clark or George Karloftis if Clark's not healthy or he's suspended or if George Karloftis just isn't quite there, ready to go week one. So that's that. 
James Bradbury is a guy that I think would have made a lot of sense for them to trade for. If he's just available on the open market and you can sign him to like a one year prove it deal one year, maybe it's like 6 million bucks, 5 million bucks with some incentives. The chiefs have plenty of cap space to be able to do something like that. And they revealed earlier this week that Rashad recovering from off season surgery. They're not sure when uh, he's going to be ready to go or if he'll be ready to go for like training camp. If you could go out there and get James Bradbury on the cheap and he could start for you opposite of McDuffie and Snead in three-corner situations, man, I think that makes a ton of sense for this team as just being able to add a little bit more insurance to that group. He took some upside plays during the draft. He's a guy that you know can come in day one and start for you if you need him to. Yeah, I I, I like – if you could add both of those players, that kind of changes – Changes things things a bit. I'm not, you know, not saying those guys are going to be difference makers, but those are now you're getting depth in the secondary, and you know, it, it, at some point Fenton comes back, and man, he's your fourth corner, like or your third corner. That's 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 big for you. That's big for you. Well, so, and uh, and Brad Berry's, you know, he's coming off the down year, but that was following like a really, really strong season for the Giants when he first signed with them. And you don't have any veteran corners, really, like because, you know, Sneed, uh, Sneed, Fenton, McDuffie, like all your cornerbacks are young, too. And uh, that it is probably time for Legereus Sneed to kind of step up and, and be one of those more like big time players on your defense or, or whatever. But James Bradbury is a guy that you just benefit from having in the locker room because you've got so much youth in that secondary. Yeah. And he likes a lot of cheese. So uh, that's also a plus for James Bradbury. Big. Thing? Yeah. He's huge on the Brie. <laughs> he loves Brie allegedly. All right. On that note, guys, uh, great draft coverage. Uh the best in the business as, as, as I always. mean, you're not getting that from coast to coast. Oh, come that on. James Bradbury analysis. You can't get that. The, Bra- the breeze. Come on. The, the Do you just follow James Bradbury on Instagram or something for some <laughs> weird reason? Dude, that guy steak salad <laughs> with Brie is his thing. Uh, big charcuterie board guy has a lot of Brie on that as well. Uh, a lot of, uh, he's just a cheese guy. Right, he's a cheese guy. That's James Bradbury. Cheese is good. So that's why. That's why to me, if the if the Packers are involved in this, this is something that you may get concerned about if you're a cheese fan. Because that could be (laughs) (laughs) that could be it. He could lean to Green Bay. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. (laughs) God bless the brie and cheese. All right, man. That was a that was showing BK on the Chiefs. A lot of fun, baby. Listen to all the podcasts. I mean, they're they're all great. All second fiddle but all great all right uh (laughs) we are out cheers